Word, we're in the letter to the Colossians. So if you have your Bible and want to open up to chapter 1, we're going to look at a paragraph 9 through 12, if you'd like to do that. And what we're, what we're following is a thread that I kind of discovered in Colossians 3, which is a life shaped by God. From the first day, uh, we heard about uh, Hurricane Florence approaching the east coast. We began to pray on behalf of the residents on the east coast. Now, we did that because we know some people on the west coast. Who, I mean, east coast. Who, who do we know on the east coast that could have been in harm's way? The, the Wilsons. The Bakers. Taylor. Your mom. Yeah. Megan. Okay. Your brother. Okay. So we, we had, so you, we started praying and, you know, part of that prayer is empathy. I mean, it's, we're not that far removed from Hurricane Harvey, just dumping 40 inches of rain on the Houston area and people's homes being flooded and, and then still, you know, there's still things that need to be done, uh, from Hurricane Harvey. So we started praying and we, you know, really it's just a simple prayer. God have mercy. Uh, these are these are big and these are scary storms. You know, God uh, change the course of that storm. God change the intensity of that storm. You know, it may seem silly was, as Susan you know finishes up praying. You know, you know, does prayer make a difference? Well, we uh, well we we practice prayer, but do prayers. In light of hurricane, does that make a difference? Well, I, I think James would say yes. James, one of the a great verse to remember, the prayer of the righteous is powerful. It's effective. It's dynamite. That's how power, you know, blows things up in a good way. And I, and I just, as I looked at what was happening, I realized that what was a Category 4, four storm, I think even maybe moving towards 5, was that, am I remembering right? When it actually hit the coast, it was downgraded to a Category 1. Now, that's still, that's still a dangerous storm. There's still, tragically, people have lost their lives. And, you know, yeah, that's still not good. But still, we prayed specifically. I prayed on Wednesday morning with a group of guys. There's, there was a prayer alert that went out through the vineyard all over the nation. People praying. And the storm's intensity dropped. Now, now... From my perspective, I mean, there's no way for me to say definitively that's my prayer, our prayers are answered. But I got to believe that. There's some connection between people praying to a God that we know who loves us, who is, is working to put things back together, not tear things up. Hurricanes tear things up, destroy things. So I, I just believe prayer really does work. And I'm not willing to stop praying to find out if it doesn't. Does that, does that make sense? You know, maybe there's no way to really measure if my prayer works, but I'm not stopping. Because I see enough where, where it really does work. God intervenes in the affairs on this earth. So I believe that what we're going to discover today, just this simple paragraph, is a life shaped by God. Is a life that's shaped by continuous intercessory prayer. Now, I find that 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have a Bible, follow along. Paul writing, be assured, be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. We haven't stopped praying for you. We have been continuous in our intercession for you. From the first day we heard about you, we haven't stopped. We're asking God. What I love about this paragraph is that Paul actually tells us what they've been praying. Continuously, we've been interceding in these ways, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your own work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It's a strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Now take a moment, reread those words, whether you read it in your Bible or read it from the screen. Just let this kind of let it kind of soak in. There's continuous, unceasing intercessory prayer for a group of people following Jesus in a city called Colossae. And Paul is praying and others with him. He's got a team of people. So a team of people are praying. They're asking God. What are they asking God? We pray. We pray. Paul left one of his companions, Epaphras, at Colossae to watch over what was happening. And Paul got a report from Epaphras. As soon as he got that report, he gathered his team and said, Hey, we need to start praying. Don't know how many people were there. I would say it was a small gathering of people. It was the beginning of a local church. We need to start praying. And so Paul and his team prayed for the followers of Jesus in Colossae without stop from the first time they got the report from Epaphras. Now, as I, as I, I'm going to bounce back and forth between the then and the now. So that was happening then. Well, what about now? Now, who, who's praying for us? This sort of unceasing prayer. Now, I can tell you, Shirley has been praying for me for 45 years. Unceasing Intercession, Probably not daily, but almost daily. I know every time I talk to her, how can I be praying for you? Or when I, when I wait too long and I call, she said, I, I, I just need to know, how are you? Because I've been praying. So I know there is somebody from my background, 45 years, this mother of my best friend in high school prays for me and my family. For us as a church. Praise for every time we go out 
someplace in mission, she prays for us. Who's praying for you in an unceasing way? And then you can turn it around. Who, who do we pray for in an unceasing way? I think every parent would say, I do. I am praying hard for my kids. I mean, I can, I can tell you Susan continues to pray in an unceasing way for our children and our grandchildren. I mean, it's, it's been incredible through the years to watch her. Again, 40 years of watching her pray for kids and grandkids. Who are you praying for? And it unceasing. There's, this, there's a value to committing ourselves to both receiving somebody's unceasing intercession for us and extending unceasing intercession for someone else. Asking God to give. I'm so grateful that, that Paul would include, this is, this is the kind of prayer that we pray. God, give them wise minds and spirits attuned to your will acquire to, so that they acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which you work. What we can learn from that is that God gives those who follow him the ability to recognize what he wishes to bring about through their activity. Think about that again. God gives to his followers the ability to recognize what he wishes to bring about through their activity. Now, I know that we're busy people. I know that we have long weeks. I know that even as a local church trying not to be too busy, we can get busy. But the point is, are we busy doing what God wants to do through us? So there's a difference between us just getting busy doing good stuff versus someone praying that we understand what God wants to do through us. What does God want to do through us? And then we get busy doing it. God initiates what he wants to do, and we do it. Wow, that's incredible. Another part of this is that God gives practical wisdom to face the expectations made on those who follow him. Now, whether we like it or not, those that are our friends, our neighbors, our family, when we declare that we're going to follow Jesus, they expect to see something different in our life. And sometimes those expectations are realistic and sometimes those expectations are not so realistic. I, I, I painfully kind of remember a time that... It was just a difficult time with my parents. My, my parents were not yet in any kind of recovery. They were stuck. They were not emotionally healthy we had young children. We had to make awful decisions. We're going to come see you, but we're, we, 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 we're not going to leave our kids with you. We're, uh, we're just not going to leave them alone with you. It's just, I'm sorry. We just don't want to risk that. And my mother obviously got upset. She was mad at me. And she, she looked at me and she just had this, like, uh, this, this voice that just said, and you call yourself a Christian. But, oh, man. Whoa. 
So there was an expectation that I had declared to my family that I was following Jesus. Now, that was an unrealistic expectation. Um, later, she, she somewhat, I think, maybe possibly understood that that expectation was not right at the time. But folks have expectations of us. That's why people go get so upset when those of us that declare we're following Jesus fail miserably. Because there's an expectation. And then did you ever notice that when you're reading the Bible, like there's expectation that we're going to actually do this stuff? Do you, ever, do you ever feel like there are really demands being made of us? If you're going to follow me, you need to do this. Is that there? I mean, am I making that up? Am I the only, am I, I'm the only one that sees that. So God, God, we, we need your practical wisdom so that we can meet the expectations, I mean, the expectations you have for us. That we would live life according to the way you want us to live life. And that we would be busy doing the things that you want us to do. So do we? I mean, again, from the the back then to the now, do we recognize what God wants to do through us? How much time do we spend individually and corporately? God, what do you want to do through us in our homes In our families. God, what do you want to do through us with our friends? God, what do you want to do through us in our city? God, what do you want to do through us in this world? God, what do you want to do? I mean, that's the prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your rule, let your reign come. Rule in our midst. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. The nuance is, God, do through us what you want to do. We're surrendering what we want to do. So that you can do on the earth what you want to do in this day. Are we spending time discovering what that is? And I'm grateful that our community leadership takes a time once a year to go away and say, God, what is it that you want to do to us this year? So we, we're, we're serious about that. We want to know what God wants to do through us. But it also can come down to a very daily basis. God, what do you want to do through me today at home? God, what do you want to do through me today in the classroom? God, what do you want to do through me today in my employment? What do you want to do today? What an adventure to get in that listening mode. This is what I want to do today through you. That's an incredible place to be. Are we leaning on God for his gift of practical wisdom? I mean, I I can't, I can't. I can't meet your expectations without God helping me. I can't meet the expectations of a world that's been disappointed again and again and again by the church without God helping me. Second prayer, a life well lived. We pray that you'll live well for the master. What a great prayer to live well for the master. People living in a way that pleases Jesus. You know, that what I, I, one of my favorite, you've heard me say this before. I just, I love this scene from this movie, <coughs> Chariots of Fire. So Eric Little 
missionary to China, missionary family. Uh, his sister, Eric, the family needs you. You know, you running in the Olympics is a, is a worldly thing. It's not a spiritual thing. Eric, you need, you know, we need you. You need to come back to China. Ginny, Ginny, I can't. Because when I run, I feel his pleasure. Gee whiz. You know, one of the fastest men on the earth at the time, 1906 Olympics. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Man, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? You know, when I'm slinging that hammer, I feel his pleasure. When I'm in the classroom, I feel his pleasure. I mean, just go around, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, I feel his pleasure. That's where we want to be. Wow, people conducting themselves in a manner suitable to Jesus. Evaluating, am I living a life that, that deserves Jesus? I mean, he's set a standard for us. People bearing fruit from all kinds of good work. You know, it's sweet. I just, I just saw that. I thought, man, sometimes we get ourselves in this, this theological tightwad. You know, we just, we just, it's like, come on. As if we, we're not supposed to produce fruit. See, the, 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 the literal thing is that as we're living well for Jesus, we're actually doing something called good work. And there is produce. There is something that results from that good work. So again, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's on a military base, whether it's in a residence doing remodeling, wherever we are, when we're living a life that's well-pleasing to Jesus, it's producing fruit from good work. We are to do good things in this world to produce the fruit of his kingdom. People growing in their knowing of God. So if we're, if we're going to set ourselves on this course of, of living a life well-pleasing to God, that's going to bring us into a relationship of knowing God and increasing in that knowledge of God. And we're never going to arrive. I and mean, we're not going to ever know all there is to know about God. But we should be increasing in our knowledge of God. So then it just leads to, you know, what's the manner of our life? Is the manner of our life right now suitable to Jesus? Don't worry about whether you're living up to anybody else's expectation right now. What about as Jesus looks at you, as Jesus looks at me, as I'm carrying, I mean, just the ordinary stuff of life. (coughs) Am I living in a way that's suitable to him? Am I pleasing him? Is there fruit? Is there, is, is the way, the, the work that I do, is there fruit that would count, produce, a result? And is our knowledge, our knowing, our relation, is our relationship with God increasing? It's not static, it's very dynamic. And then it keeps going, endowed with his strength. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. The message does a great job. 
You know, it's that this faith that we have is a marathon race. It's going to take endurance. It's going to take patience. There's going to be sorrow, so there's going to need to be joy. So we're, I'm not talking about the grim strength of gritting your teeth. The grim strength of I'm just going to I'm just going to grind it out. I come from a family that would do that. I don't know about your family. But my family had that, just that, we're just going to grind it out. No, that's not what, that's not how we're going to, that's not it. We're talking about supercharged by the glorious divine strength of Jesus. That would mean that the Holy Spirit empowers us with every kind of endurance and patience with joy. How are we doing in this marathon race of faith? Now, the only way I would really run, like if I was empowered by the Holy Spirit, I might run a marathon. But I can, I, but apart from that, I'm not doing it. I read one time that 36 was the ideal age for running the marathon. I am past 36, so I have passed. <laughs> I dreamt about it a little bit, but no, nah, it's not happening. <laughs> but... I'm in a marathon. My, I want my whole life to be lived well before my master. And so I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. I don't have enough of what it takes to endure or to be patient or to face all the sorrows we face with joy. I don't have it. It's not within me. Endue me. And do me, pour that into my life. Are we relying upon the strength that the Holy Spirit brings? And there's one last prayer. It's the prayer of thanksgiving. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. There's a phrase in this that is so interesting. And it has to do with some sort of public announcement. So in some way, our Father has publicly declared that we are qualified as those following Jesus to receive a share in the inheritance of the saints. I don't know if that's in heaven. I don't know. But there is a way that you and I as people following Jesus have been acknowledged by our Father that we have a share in the inheritance of the saints of all the ages. So we have a bright and a beautiful future in front of us. How are we going to get there? Well, the only way that I can say that we can get there is by being a life shaped by continuous intercessory prayer. We need somebody praying this prayer for us in an unceasing way. We need to be praying this prayer for others in an unceasing way. Maybe the thing is, we just, Holy Spirit, we, just, we really need you 
to remind us of the reality and the power of people who spend time in conversation with a God who intervenes in this world. So Holy Spirit, come. Come upon us. Who's continuously, unceasingly interceding for us? You know, when somebody prays for us, we got to be willing to receive <laughs> what God is giving. <laughs> okay. So, are, are we recognizing more and more what God wants to do through us? Are we exercising that good judgment that's needed? With the demands that are, that are placed upon us? Are we living in a way that pleases our master? What's the fruit of our good work? Is our knowing God increasing? Do we rely on the strength supplied by the Holy Spirit? These, re, these can only become realities when people... Are praying for us. You know, we, we can pray for ourselves as well. But we need others praying for us. So really the big question is, how are we going to put this into practice? How are we going to do this? I would love a couple of things. One, I, I would love for you to discover that there's somebody in your life that's been praying for you in a continuous, unceasing way. I mean, I, 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 I'm super indebted to Shirley. I will forever be grateful that she's, com- she's committed part of her life in praying for me, us, our family. Who's that person? Who's praying for you? Then the other thing is, who are you praying for? Who are those that you're praying for? And, and how, do, how do we do this? How do we pray for each other in this way? Those seem to me to be great questions we can ask. Because we want our lives to be shaped by God. And one way it's shaped by God is for there to be continuous intercessory prayer on our behalf. So Lord... Holy Spirit, come. I've raised a lot of questions. You're the one that has to answer them. So I ask that you would come. Bring answers, Lord. Help us to discover who's continuously interceding on our behalf. And Holy Spirit, lead us to praying continuously, unceasingly interceding for someone else. Put this prayer to work, Lord, in our community for your sake in a way that pleases you in your name. Amen.